Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. We have no technical issues on this podcast ever. Just the fucking best. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also with me, Kid Presentable. Here this week. Also joining us this week, Lavender Gooms. It's a damn shame because the energy you had on your first opening was just top notch. This one, eh, little flat. I know. It's really nice of you to criticize it considering you're the reason we have to start over again. Can't blame me. It was just my equipment. Okay. Now, who is the owner of the equipment? Who, who tells the equipment what to do? Well, it's it's a machine, Bobby. So, um, the god of mechanics to do anything. Well, for all so. you. Okay. Fine. Um, boys and girls, um, I had an idea of what I was going to say about this weekend's, this past weekend's card headlined by Kamara Usman and Jorge Masvidal. And, um, I'll be honest, um, everything kind of took a turn when I read that they sold 1.3 million pay-per-view buys because that instantly became the top story out of this whole fucking thing for me. Cause I don't know what Jorge Masvidal got in terms of his financial demands, but I know even if he, they met them, Steph, he definitely has new ones. <laughs> I mean, well, yes and no, Bob, because, yeah, I saw that number, but the follow-up, this, the second part of that story, is there's a lot of unhappy casual people. There's a lot of people who are like, what the fuck did I pay for? There's a lot of people like, that was a stupid fight. Like, There's a lot of people who did not enjoy what they bought because they were buying into the BMF hype of Jorge Masvidal. It's not his fault. No, no, honestly, unfortunately, of, we talked yeah. about it, too. It's like, I mean, Usman had a lot of pressure on him. And we all kind of knew this is what it could have looked like because it's really hard to look good against Jorge Masvidal. Like, he shuts you, even when he's exhausted. You're grappling, he's, you're not going to advance a lot on him. But uh, for those people who didn't see it, which I guess if you're an MMA fan, you definitely did. Um, but Marcus, we learned that six days is a, it's a tall task to try to beat Kamara Usman with that kind of notice. Yeah, especially with, you know, what Masvidal had to work with. And, you know, there's a reason why the line was what it was. Um, and and uh, I think Steph brought up a good point because we talked about this too, Bob, earlier on. You know, um, Masvidal obviously brings a lot of fans, but this was not a performance, even though not necessarily his fault, but it wasn't a fan-friendly performance. And we knew Usman had this skill set in his back pocket that he could utilize to just control Masvidal and win an easy fight in that route. And, that, and that's what he did. And... You know, as a fan, it's not very pleasing. Um, you know, I could see the viewpoint of a lot of the casual fans that saw um, Masvidal, you know, flying knee against Ben Askren, then follow up with the Nate Diaz fight and just be like, man, this guy just has nothing but, you know, fantastic performances. But when you go up against, you know, the upper echelon of this type of fighter, this wrestler type that is going to be able to grab a hold of the vast majority of the roster and be able to control them, win rounds and, and win decisions that way. Um, he's always going to have that in his back pocket, and he utilized that well against Jorge Masvidal. Um, but it wasn't fan pleasing, you know. Yeah, and Marcus, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I felt like I honestly, Kamar Usman got a. He was in a tough position, man, and we talked about it. And now, like Steph mentioned, people unhappy. I saw a lot of people shitting on Kamara Usman. Um, 
And I saw a bunch of like, he's the Mayweather of MMA, but not in the way that like, not to compliment, not the, not the Mayweather comparison you're looking for, basically. Um, that he fought a very defensive, boring fight. But honestly, man, like, he had a giant, there was, I mean, giant, there was a large gap in the skill level stand up wise. Like, uh, Jorge was immediately throwing shit and hitting him. Like, you, you don't, he's not just going to put himself in a position to get, you know, hit when he's dealing with a guy who probably can't deal with his pressure with that, you know, even, even when he's in a full camp, right? <laughs> I mean, outside of what he did, any other strategy would probably be foolish. You know, if you're going against a guy who is as dangerous on the stand up as Jorge is and who hasn't had a training camp, who had six days to lose a bunch of weight. The game plan has to be tire this guy out. And whether that's leaning on him against the cage in the clinch or taking him down and making him work on the ground, that had to obviously have been the game plan. And and that's why this outcome is not that, you know, surprising, I think, to the people that have seen Usman fight and know what he's capable of. Because yeah, when he fights a guy like um Covington, who's also a great wrestler, but a guy who likes to strike a lot, yeah, he'll stand up and strike with him because his stand-up's better. But when he's fighting a guy with uh, Masvidal who just doesn't have the wrestling pedigree to be able to reverse those clinch positions, because that's mostly where this fight, and I think that's where a lot of the criticism comes from, is just that there's a lot of time in the clinch against the cage. And this is a strategy that's not new to MMA um, and is not new to Usman's game plan. But, you know, I don't think a lot of people have seen him fight and didn't realize this is something that he's capable of. Did you think that he was stalling? Sorry, Steph, you go ahead too. But I mean, I guess while you go ahead and answer the question too, but I I didn't ever think Usman was trying to just ride this out. I just kind of thought Usman's like, I can't go farther than this with him. Like, Masvidal was defending fairly well. I I think I was going to say to Mark's point, but to also kind of answer your question, Bob, I I mentioned it when we were watching it. This This isn't just the history of like MMA. This is the history of the welterweight division. We have Tyron Woodley, GSP. The last decade of welterweight is canceling your challenges off. Wait, wait, wait. There's a big. And that's uh, who these guys are. There's a big like, exception to the rule where every fight we thought someone was going to die for about a year there. And that's Mr. Robbie Lawler. Okay, that's right. Fair. <laughs> I, I, there's, there was the one exception in there. But again, the, the history of welterweight are these guys who their dominance stems from their ability to neutralize opponents. And yeah, it, it's. I don't want to give Usman any grief because if you expected any difference from him, that means you only watch the Covington fight because that's really the exception within his library of fights. This is the type of fighter he is, and it is why he's good is because he can neutralize world-class opponents, you know? Um, this is just be prepared for this is what his reign to look like. You know, there's only a handful of guys who Covington being the sole exception so far where the wrestling kind of cancels each other out. So it equates to a stand-up fight, but had he fought Gilbert Burns, you knew this was going to be his strategy. Gilbert Burns is a guy looking to take your head off. He, this was the, probably the same game plan, you know, even though he said like, Oh, Masvidal has been training for me. Like, I don't think Usman had to change much up for the well, Masvidal fight. I mean, at least, like, I mean, well, what's his name? I already forgot. It. It's not good. You said his name. I forgot it. Um, Gilbert, Burns Gilbert Burns is like a world champion jujitsu guy. And I don't know if that's off bottom or off top anyway, but like, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, I, I Kamaru's had fights. Like, well, I thought when Kamaru beat up Tyron Woodley, I mean, towards the end, I was like, okay, this is, you know, getting uneventful. But I was like, it wasn't like he just held him either. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, Mike, yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I don't think he just clinches and holds, but he works. But it's just like someone they, they, working this in the look like a lot. Unless you're doing serious damage, unless you're Anderson Silva getting big, 
knees and elbows from tie clinches work from the from an over under clinch you're not going to do much damage you're stomping feet you're maybe getting a knee to the body maybe throwing a punch to the body or wrap around the head there's just not a lot of big offense he could do but he was working but it just wasn't fan pleasing but he he, he put the work in not to get separated and, and to win the fight i'm sorry i want to go to mike yeah mike we can all agree on this it's very simple all right kamaru is better was better at wrestling than masvidal why is he going to want to stand up a masvidal it's, it's as simple as that i understand the casual fan didn't understand what was going on there were a lot of memes you know with foot stomps which were actually quite hilarious but Come on, do the smart thing. I mean, what's he supposed to do? Lose the fight? So yeah, to man. Please, some people in the stands that aren't there. Dude, he was. It was. It was going to be like for him to come out of this thing glowing. He was going to have to smash him, and like, it's, it's not. No one does that to Jorge Masvidal. Even when you beat Jorge Masvidal, even on six days' notice, Jorge Masvidal is going to make it hard for you. And that's what we got. Let's talk about that. Masvidal looked pretty good in that first round. I thought he was hitting him. I'm like, okay. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty tired. He looked like a guy who had uh, hadn't trained for a fight, you know. Um, and also, man, they made these guys fly from here to there to here to there, you know, 17 different fucking tests. Like, it was a tall order. Um, Mike, let's stay with you here. So, um, I was watching uh, or listening, at whatever, to the Ariel and DC podcast. Um, it was right after this fight got announced, and Ariel asked DC, uh, "How many pay per view buys do you think Masvidal adds?" And DC said three hundred, I think, or three fifty. Ariel said five hundred. Now that you know, it sold one point three million. And giving all respect in the world to Max Holloway and Jose Aldo, yes, of course, I think he did seven hundred. Um, if we're basing it off of DC and Ariel's numbers, mm-hmm. then that would assume that maybe they thought it was going to be like 300,000 or 400,000 pay-per-view buys. Because there's no way they thought that without Masvidal being on this card. No, they thought that- it was five. They thought about five because it was three title fights. That was the logic. I honestly think, I mean, this is my, let's just all of us guess. There's no right answer here. We're all guessing. I think he added seven hundred thousand, and I think that's that's my opinion. What do you think, Mike? I think it would probably be around that amount because um, I know before Masvidal got added, I mean Volkanovski and, and Max is an, is an awesome fight, but just looking at the history of Max Holloway fights, just in general, he's never been a huge pay per view seller. Um, so they sold they sold one pay per view one time, and that was with Conor McGregor. So I was assuming that this was one of those quintessential three title fights for the UFC where it's like, let's just hit them with, with volume, not necessarily like just one big marquee matchup, um, pay-per-view wise. So I was going to go with maybe 500,000. You're saying that he added 500,000 or was going to get 500,000? Like it was going to get 500,000. So you're thinking he, you think he added 800,000? Easy. Well, maybe not easy. Well, I mean, we also got to, I mean, yeah, Stefan, you're a guess on this too, but I guess we also might want to factor in people being at home and maybe more of a demand for some live content, huh? I'm going to give Dana White credit for 50,000 views because uh, he went on to ESPN and repeatedly called the media weak. And uh, (laughs) I don't know if anyone saw that clip. I felt like this is the only way for me to shoehorn this uh, conversation. conversation. It's just like he's he's in that talking screen between Max Kellerman and fucking Stephen A. Smith, 
And he's like, you know what? We're putting on these events, but you know who didn't want us to do it? The media. The media is weak. And he just goes on this whole tangent, and I'm like, there's there's the Trump base. The Trump base is buying into this just for this rant right here. <laughs> um, yeah, I probably would have guessed it would have been around 700 pre Mosfetal. So okay. do the do the math on your own. So about 600. Um, okay. That uh, that seems to be that seemed to be the range for these stacked multi champion cards when there is no singular like known quantity draw. Um, I think he counted for a lot, right? Um, that Askren, Mark said it, like where that Askren knee was showing up all manner of places on Reddit, nine gag, every place you could. That was the biggest, like get your name out there moment in MMA, probably since, you know, whatever the peak of Conor McGregor was, uh, be it the Mayweather fight. Like that was the singular most, like I was seeing, People who have no context to MMA whatsoever knew about that moment or asked me about it or mentioned it to me. So, um, yeah, you, you can't say it was anything. I mean, look at that guy. He was all smiles at the end of losing this title fight. He, he knows how much he got paid. Yeah. Um, all the top draws can fight each other right now in the UFC. Khabib, Connor, Nate, Jorge. Interesting. Marcus, what's your guess here? What do you think? What do you think he's responsible for here? Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree mostly with you guys. I, without doing any research and seeing what the other pay per views have done, I mean, I think you have to give credit n not just to the top three title fights, but it was a stacked card. I mean, you had Rose, who was a former champion, versus Jessica, who was a former champion, and then you had Paige Van Zant, who's you know a very popular, maybe one of the most popular female fighters that hasn't held a belt. Um, so this card was stacked top to bottom. I absolutely think Masvidal's name definitely brought in a lot more because I don't think Gilbert Burns was doing anything. I, th I think if yeah. anything, he would deter yeah. from the card <laughs> selling because people will be like, Usman, what? Burn? I don't, there's, there's no, nothing for me to clamp onto for our main event, but Masvidal is a superstar right now. So obviously throwing him in there at the last minute, I think was totally fine. I think it goes a long way to showing, you know, like how little promotion they technically need to do. As long as the stars there, you know, you don't because there wasn't much of a buildup for Jorge being in this fight because they didn't have much time to put video packages together and get a bunch of interviews and stuff. I don't think Jorge did a ton of media for this buildup because he just didn't have time because he had to get ready for the fight because he had to drop so much weight. And like I said, Bobby had to fly from Florida to Las Vegas to Abu Dhabi um, and, and getting adjusted to the time there. So there was a lot of factors going in. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's a lot of other X factors, too. The card was stacked. Um, we're coming off a holiday weekend. I think people were hungry for something and this had enough spice and flavor for a lot of people to bite on, which is awesome. You know, and I think this is a credit to Masvidal's drawing power. And hopefully like Stefan said, and like we talked earlier, Bob, you know, I would hope the fans don't hold the poor performance from Masvidal, um, against him too much. And they understand stylistically, this was a poor matchup for him. And he had a little time to prepare because I think, a non-knowing fan could look at how Masvidal, his attitude for most of the fight and think like he didn't try very hard because there's a lot of times he's in the clinch smiling like, oh, you're elbowing me and kneeing me and none of this really matters. But, you know, as a fan, it's like, well, don't just smile. You know, I want to see you do something about this. Don't just be controlled and be happy that you're in guard or happy that you're in an over under with your back against the cage. Do something to get out of it. But I think Jorge, as a smart fighter, knew you know, his opportunities for victory were going to be slim and few and far between. He needed those stand-up moments to get something done. So I don't. I think it was, it was part of his strategy. Like, I'm not going to waste a ton of energy trying to fight out of these positions, try to fight out of the clinch, try to turn Usman against the clinch. Like, I'm not going to win these positions. Uh, I think, honestly, Usman's getting a lot of the abuse here. 
And I don't think that's right either. I think it was the circumstances of this fight. Um, next, the next fight for Usman. Um, before the show, by the way, Mike was asking me why Ali Abdelaziz is so angry at uh, Ariel Hawani. It is because uh, Ariel Hawani said that Gilbert Burns should fight Leon Edwards and then the winner should fight um, Usman. And then Burns and... Burns is manager is the that same. Does, that doesn't seem like such a horrible take for him to make. Well, no, it's because Leon Edwards has the same management as Conor McGregor, and Usman and uh, Burns has the same management as Khabib and Usman. That's why. Basically, um, so why is he angry at Ariel for that? Because Ariel had to. Because Ariel would only suggest Leon Edwards should get a number one contender fight because Leon Edwards would actually get an interview with Ariel. Because we're all waiting for that Gilbert Burns interview. That's. It's a ridiculous pissing match. You are, that was if people want to delve into this, just look into it. But um, Gilbert Burns, it, I, I, honestly, like Steph, um, for me, I, it depends if Usman how quickly Usman wants to fight. But if he's gonna be a while, I think you know Burns versus Leon Edwards is fine. If he's not gonna be a while, sure. Um, yeah, Burns. I think I think that's exactly it. I think that's why you mentioned Burns versus Edwards because it's like you know. Burns didn't get injured. He tested positive for COVID. Uh, he seems to have recovered fine in the quarantine. So conceivably, there's a real quick turnaround for him. It's basically like we see uh, Pedro Munoz. Frankie just got moved a couple weeks back, right? It's yeah. You know, I mean, they it's, asked, it's, they asked Edwards to fight this fight too. Edwards couldn't get out. Edwards, I don't know if Edwards can get out of the country yet. I think he yeah. might be able to now. But it's really up to Burns. It's either does Burns want to be active and get a paycheck? Or he can sit for the title fight because he's next. Like I don't, I don't think they move beyond him. I think it's it's really up to what Burns wants to do. Does he want a paycheck in these these interim months, or would he like to wait for the bigger title shot? Um, so I, I think it's in his court up to it. I, I don't think any no one is going to leap past him, right? Edwards isn't coming here making any noise. I mean, I think Edwards beat Edwards got beat by Usman too, didn't he? Like two years ago, he, three years yeah, ago. There, there, there's a rematch there, but I'm saying it's like the way people get jumped is they have a fight booked and they win spectacularly, right? Mm. It's like who was going to fight Jones? Was Jan Blockowitz or um, God, what's his name? Why am I forgetting? Um, the one he just fought last, uh, Reyes, Dominic Reyes. Reyes. Yeah. It was like who's going to have the more impressive fight? That's who gets to fight John Jones next. And Reyes had the knockout on Weidman, right? But there's no one coming along in the contendership on welterweight, so it's Burns's whether he wants it now or later. I mean, if he waits for the title shot, I mean, Usman literally just fought two days ago, so it might be four or five months if, if he waits for it. He didn't take a lot of damage though, so it's kind of on Usman for his turnaround as well. That's true. Um, yeah, we'll see where we go from here. Uh, with Masvidal, he doesn't want to fight Colby Covington because he doesn't see the point. So I'm just sitting here wondering if Colby Covington is going to be able to fight anybody ever at this point. I mean, you can understand. I can understand Masvidal's point of view as well. He doesn't like the guy. Masvidal knows he he gets buckets when it comes to to, to pay per view buys. He doesn't want to give Colby that that paycheck. He said he wanted to if he won the if he won he wanted to fight uh Nate again. I think he can just fight Nate again if he wants to fight Nate again. Like go ahead. Masvidal needs Masvidal needs to do like Kevin Spacey and pay it forward, all right? Nate Diaz paid it forward, blessed him with the, you know, the Midas touch of pay-per-view buys. Masvidal needs to pay that forward to the next uh next scrapper. Well, who's that? 
I don't know. Just defend just, that. I'm, I'm, an idea, I'm, an, I'm an idea man, Bobby. I'm not here about the specifics. I just want to see that BMF belt defended. I don't really care who it is. Just defend that goddamn so, belt. Wait, wait. So your idea in this case, Mike, the idea man is <laughs> Masvidal should fight. <laughs> Good to know. Marcus, you got an opinion on this before we go to the next uh, topic? Uh, for Masvidal? I mean... I I think there's any number of interesting fights for him, but I think Nate makes a lot of sense. You know, I think Connor makes a lot of sense too. I don't know if Connor wants that fight necessarily because I think he wants to fight a big again or maybe even stay at lightweight. Um, but I mean, I think there's a decent amount of opposition that they could throw to Mosfidal right now that would be uh, interesting. You know, I think almost any matchup with him is, is compelling to some extent. But yeah, nothing really stops jumps out to mind besides maybe having a rematch with Nate. So I'm do it. Why not? Nate, Connor, Tony. What's Tony up to? Yeah, Tony would move up probably, yeah. but that'd be fun. That'd be great. I'd I think be totally Tony. Down, I think but... Tony won tough at one seventy too. I mean, it's tough. I think, but... I think you're right. I, yeah. yeah. Um, co-main event: Max Holloway, um, Alexander Volkanovsky. Mike, I'm gonna tell you you were right because you said Max was gonna figure out the problems and make adjustments, and he did. Um, the fight was almost like the first fight in that one guy kind of just controlled things for three rounds or so. And then things took a turn. Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, I thought Max won. I think we all thought Max won um, when it was over. I fully recognize rounds four and five for Alex and round three being close. But I thought Max won. Uh, Steph, I wouldn't call it a robbery. But I thought the wrong guy won the fight. Right, you gave Mike credit for his call on Max, but you didn't give me credit for my call during the fight. Mark gave me credit. Uh, in the second round, I called, this is going to be a bad split decision. You, you, well, okay, you did. I'll <laughs> give you, I'll give you, you didn't, you didn't say that. Volkanovski got knocked down. I'm like, watch, this is going to be a really bad split decision here. And, uh, that's what happened. Um, yeah, what can you say? I, we, I think we all kind of thought Max won, but it's a 3-2 kind of situation. It, it reminds me of a lot of split decisions in the past. It stands out that Max won is because he had like two knockdowns. Like he had two rounds where he was like knocking the guy down versus any round Volkanovski won. It was by like four or five strikes, right? It, nothing significant. He never really hurt Max in any way. If anything, it looked like Alex was the one scrambling the whole fight. Um, and it's just weird because he had both of them had this whole point about how they were going to make it definitive either way that max was gonna i'm gonna make it definitive that i'm the champ alex says i'm gonna make it definitive that i'm the greatest featherweight and it's murkier than ever right now and also, um also some, of those rounds that, some of those rounds that volkanovsky won they were like yeah he got takedowns in them but like max got up right away on them like they were just bullshit I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest mark and i were talking about this um but like the fourth or fifth round when they were over i'm like I don't know, man. Max might have won that too. But I was only half paying attention at that point, to be honest. I thought we already had a champion locked up. Um, Marcus, I know, like, a lot of times when a guy wins, like, the like he, like, leads the beginning of the fight and then, like, kind of fades, um, we, you know, like, pride rules, we like to give credit um, to the guy who finishes the fight strong, you know. Um, but in this case, I almost felt like, yeah. It wasn't like Alex really grabbed the reins of this shit in the last two rounds. I, the mag, the rounds Max won were the more definitive rounds of the fight. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, watching it the first time while we were talking, you know, not paying super close attention. Yeah, the the decision was kind of shocking. Um, it definitely seemed like Alex did better in the fourth, and I think he definitely won the fifth for sure. Um, and it was really that third round that was kind of questionable. And I think. 
watching it the first time, there was just there's a lot of momentum with Max going into that third round, and it was really close. And I think a lot of us just out of like he did so well in those first two rounds, and he did pretty well in the third. You kind of give him that one. Watching it again, it, it is just kind of a toss up. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, you do kind of look at the fight as a whole. And yeah, the biggest moments came for Max early on, and it is because he made adjustments. He knew Alexander on the outside was just going to throw low kicks, inside low kicks. That was his key. And then on the inside, he had to get in the pocket. It's what he did extremely successfully in the first round. He jumped into the pocket and threw punches, and Max was prepared. And that's why in the second round, one of his big you know counters to that was to throw uppercuts. And he landed that uppercut in the second and dropped him. In the first round, he landed a nice head kick. Um, you know, working from the outside, which, you know, I still think there's definitely some things Max could have done a lot better. He had the jab advantage and he just wasn't using it on the outside, but he made those adjustments in the first two rounds to really solidify those. And at the end of the day, Bobby, yeah, when you look at the fight as a whole, the big highlights were from Max and Alexander in the later rounds, you know, it was really a numbers game. He just threw more. Um, and that's how he won the first fight. He just threw more. He just won more of the exchanges. And, you know, like, like Mike said, he got some takedowns. Max popped up pretty much instantaneously but it's just that things like you give that you give that guy with the takedown the slight edge you know i think you have to give you have off some of that edge of the takedown because max was able to get up so quickly but he did get those takedowns and he ended the fifth round on his back which i don't think was a great look from the judges but yeah at the end of the day watching it a second time i was like okay that wasn't a robbery but having watched it that first time it just the fight had that momentum where it seemed like Max was winning those first three rounds. And then Alex kind of squeaked away with the fourth and fifth, but it, it is what it is. I think it's unfortunate that Alex got two wins on these because a third fight I think is just, I don't want to see it right now. I, I do want to see uh, these guys have some happening. different looks. I don't think it's any way it's happening, man. I don't think yeah. there's any way to book that. Well, I don't think immediately. I think Max would have to reassert himself as you know, undeniably the ne- the guy that deserves it. And I think at the end of the day, if they want to roll it back for a third time, even though it's a 2-0 and getting those trilogy fights with the 2-0 is kind of not super heard of, they were very close fights both times. Um, and, you know, and I think one thing that's kind of important, and we'll talk about this in the next fight, Dana White's opinion kind of matters, you know? There's a reason why Jose got a title shot off of a loss because he kind of thought he'd be... Uh, uh, Miles Morales. So he's like, not Miles Morales, uh, uh, Mar- Marlon. Um, so, you know, I I'll, think- I'll, go, I'll give him this, man. I thought Jose had a better case in that one than Alex does in this one. <laughs> I'll say that too. <laughs> uh, you mean Max? No, no. I'm saying when you said uh, Jose beating Marlon Morales, I thought Jose had a better case in his fight than this one did with Alex. Oh, but Alex yeah. winning? Sure. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I think because Dana thinks Mac- Max deserves to win that fight, he might be a little bit more understanding of having them run back a third time. But like I said, I don't want to see that immediately. I wasn't super crazy about this immediate rematch. I kind of like guys to get a different look. I like to have Alex, you know, solidify his championship, defending it against a new fighter. Um, but hopefully that's what we see next. You know, whether he fights Zombie, I think is kind of the, the fight that I'm kind of thinking makes the most sense. I don't know who else is in for well, yeah, that's right up there. Let's talk about that, actually, because um, Steph, I mean, you know, I mean, you want it. Um, I saw somewhere else suggest that uh, the winner of the Zabit versus Yair guy, should get, should, winner should get a title <laughs> shot, and instead Max should fight Zombie. Wrong. I, per- I personally Wrong. think Ma- I think Max is going up. I think Max is going to fight at lightweight against someone like Dan Hooker. It makes a lot of sense to me, yeah. but um, I mean, I, I agree with Mark entirely. The fact that it was so close, it's what precludes uh, it, it. What keeps us from precluding that Max won't 
get a third shot. Um, that and like Dana's, uh, to where you said Dana's opinion matter, but to where you're going with this, me and this question, Bob, I'm like how Dana feels about Jose Alda win or lose, Korean Zombie deserves this next title shot. Like, that's all that's the only well, Zombie made it real clear. What do you say? You said he's it's it's embarrassing or shameful that Alex is a champion. Oh, yeah. See, Zombie knows what he's doing. He's making noise, and he's kind of like, this is our champion of our division. This guy's a joke. You, you want to see him get knocked out? I'll knock him out. So, Zombie, who's a very mild-mannered dude, I I gotta believe someone's running his Twitter. Um, unless just the Korean language barrier doesn't translate, because this guy's getting all sassy well, online. He, he's been shit-talking Alex since the minute Alex became champion, and it's the first person he's ever shit-talked, so people are like, is, what happened here? Like, Zombie didn't shit-talk Brian Ortega like this, and Brian Ortega slapped one of his friends. One thing that's weird about Zombie's shit-talk is that I don't know if it's because English is maybe his second language, but... Maybe? It is very... I I don't think he speaks English, Mike. (laughs) It is is very proper. If you actually read the text, it's like, it is not the adorable language you see on, on Twitter. It's like, all the punctuation is correct, all the syntax is perfect, it's a little off-putting. Yeah, zombies next. Yeah, let's do it. Fuck it. Why not? Um, if Max goes to one fifty-five, um, I think somebody like Dan Hooker. If we want to get real wild, um, we give him Tony Ferguson. But uh, the guy's coming off of two straight losses. Maybe we get him to one fifty-five and not a. I mean, not that Dan Hooker's an easy fight, but maybe we get him like you know, not get somebody in the top three. Let's get somebody in the top eight. You know, Dan might be on the shelf for a bit. After that last fight he had, so yeah, I'm not going to throw his name out for that's a little true. while. That was a rough one. Um, yeah. By the way, I've tried to look more to see if Ali Abdelaziz is a real point here, and he says that um, their report it says Ariel is targeting my champions, so that ESPN can't interview his guys. This motherfucker's got to go. It's a goddamn cancer. Um, all right, Jose Aldo, Peter Yan. Yeah, let's talk about the real winner of this card. Um, Peter Yan, let me tell you, it wasn't going well. Um, Jose Aldo was looking real good. And we before the fight started, Steph, we're all sitting there like, yeah, Jose in a title fight's got about three and a half rounds of energy. So about halfway uh, through that fourth round, Mark, whew, things started taking a, a turn. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to be fair for the, the fight itself and how entertaining it was, it, it wasn't a Jose Alde show. Like, Peter Yan won that first round. Oh, yeah, no. He, he oh, blasted him with yeah. solar plexes. And, and what Steph gave him a 10 8, which, I mean, is not really out of the realm because he was in fucking trouble at the end. He basically, and oh, I, I'm always here nitpicking the commentary, but it really pissed me off. And they're like, oh, I think he got hit in the face there real hard. And I was like, what the fuck? There's three of you with cameras and producers everywhere. No one knows he just got hey, wait, There, there was two of them, and and Michael Bisping was spending part of the card shit talking Dan Henderson, Henderson on Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter so, <laughs> so I mean, that, that, those. I mean, look at I, the commentary is there for one thing to break down the action that's actually happening. You have to fucking watch. And look, the guys have a lot of stuff going on. Like the commentary is actually a tough job to do. That's why they have producers in the back. So they should have caught that much sooner. Even even the fucking truck didn't show the punch to the solar plexus during the replay. They just showed the follow up. What a clusterfuck of of truck work and, and and cutting and editing. Ugh, disgusting. But Peter Young, yeah, he looked great in that uh, that first round. He had a good um, he had a good first round where he came really close to finishing the fight. And to Aldo's credit, second and third round, he really turned it on. He brought the fight back to Yon. Did beautiful body work. I really like, you know, we we always kind of criticize Aldo for not utilizing his low kicks because that was such a permanent weapon in his arsenal early on. 
but I've liked this adjustment that dude fucking attacks the liver fucking goes after it like a shark smelling blood because he's not just throwing one liver shot he's throwing two and three at a time um and i think some of those shots were really effective against peter i think he did really well in the uh uh second and third round but to your point bobby um jose aldo definitely started slowing down in the fourth that's where peter started to uh get the best of him and then in the fifth what a clusterfuck of poor uh refereeing because early i mean First 20 seconds, Peter drops him with a huge punch. He's on top of him. I mean, look, at there, there's some positional work in, in those exchanges. I, I did rewatch this fight, so it wasn't just like three minutes of nonstop just pounding against Jose Aldo. He did advanced positions. He got his back. He, he secured better positions to pound better, but there was just minutes of Aldo covering up, just getting blasted. And, you know, I think there's a lot of criticism with the ref. Early on when he was, when Jose was in a lot of trouble, he kept telling Jose to fight. And Jose would move. He tried to get back to his back. He tried to build back up. But those moments of trying to build his base back up did not last very long. And he quickly reverted back to on his knees, covering up, taking a lot of punishment. That was, I think that was bad, man. Leon Roberts really. When you rewatch it again, I, you have to give Aldo credit and the referee credit. He told him, you have to fight. You have to do something. And, and Aldo did something. Those first three times, he did something. It was the fourth time where he didn't do anything, and he told him like eight more times, hey, do something, do something. I mean, it's how, many, how many unanswered were they? Ballpark. I mean, I, I did not count the punches, but th- there was a lot. Yeah. And, you know, as the ref in a championship fight with a guy like Aldo that we've seen him take a lot of punishment, the guy does not get stopped super often. You want to give him potentially the opportunity to fight back and to do something, and that's what Aldo was doing early on. He was telling him to fight. He was making adjustments to try to improve his position. They all failed. And ultimately, when he stopped trying, the fight should have been stopped instantly because at this point, he had been in danger for a long time. He's been taking a lot of uh, a lot of punishment. And the referee had warned him multiple times that the fight's concluding or coming to the conclusion if you don't do something. And while he did do something early on, when he stopped doing something, the referee at that point should have been like, okay, the fight's over. It was probably a good minute of more pounding and hard punching Jan repositioning himself to be like, okay, I can't just pitter potter. I have to throw harder punches. Okay. The harder punches aren't working. I got to throw elbows. Like he was really digging into the tool shed to finish the fight. And, and it did ultimately come way too late. So, um, you know, hats off to Peter. He made all the adjustments he had to in that fight. He, he started off good, got, you know, stopped leading the dance for a while and pulled it off. You know, I think the stamina really came into play here. He really had to show a lot of grit and determination to get the win. And that last round, he did absolutely everything he had to to finish the fight. It was really on the the referee, not properly stopping it when he should. Um, and Aldo, you know, hats off to him. As much as we constantly vote against him, and I mean, proof's in the pudding in this one. He did not win this fight. He did not win his last fight. But he, he's been looking really good. And uh, Yeah, I'm Mark, I'm all about this. I'm, I mean, if he wants to keep fighting, props. Let's I, do it. And <laughs> great for him. You know, I think he's making weight and he's performing extremely well. Um, it, it's just weird that I, at this point, I'm so high on Aldo having two losses in a row. Um, but I was, I was really improved with, um, with what he showed there. But at the end of the day, Peter almost. Well, Mike, um, my man Aljo is the number one contender for this welt. Um, let's get a nice pay-per-view with Gilbert Burns and Usman as the main event. My guy Aljo and Peter Yan as the co-main. How many pay-per-views are we getting there? I'm going to say a very strong 300K. I mean, I think that's a bit high, especially when the guys in the main event... Oh, wait. Uh, hold up. Let me think about this again. 
The guys in the main event can't can't be can't, won't be interviewed by anybody from ESPN, right? Well, so that probably is not going to help the pay per view buys well, either. These are the factors that I would say would be detriments to it. Uh, it'll probably be in about five months. A lot of things I think will have opened up by then. It won't be the first uh, fight card in Abu Dhabi slash Fight Island slash Yas Island, um, and also the two matchups you just said, three hundred k. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, man. Stefan Aljo was the number one contender before this fight. He was it's, ranked ahead of both of these guys. It's going to be it's honestly like, I mean, jokes aside about selling, you can't really deny the man at this point. I mean, or can you? No, that's it's one, that's unequivocal. Um, yeah. That is the only fight that remains to be made in this division. Um, but... I think uh I think everyone's kind of landed on the same place for what comes next for Aldo oh, yeah. uh, as as the fight that no one ever thought they needed but if he's going to stick around here may as well him and Dominic sounds like a blast 5 um, rounds or 3 rounds cuz I want 5 Yeah we got to put it as, You got to give know, Dominic a chance right Yeah we've seen some <laughs> disgusting disgusting uh main events recently I will take a uh, fight night featuring Dominic and Aldo as the main eventer Woo Aldo just ooh, going full Muay Thai, Dominic but, trying to just Bob, get around him. Bobby, with that's the a, caveat, that's a pretty marquee fight night main event. That I mean, was, the, I'm the, in for that fight, man. With, with the caveat, I absolutely demand that Keith Peters is the referee of this match. <laughs> <laughs> I want Dominic mic'd when they announce who the referee is, so he can go like a big loud scoff. <laughs> I want there to, I want Dominic to have two stare downs during this fight week, <laughs> and that is once with Aldo and once with Keith Peters, the referee. Um, where I go with this talking about this car's taking a long time. Um, Marcus Rose had a tough win over Jessica and I think we all agree that Rose won the first two rounds. Whether you thought Jessica won the third round 10, eight or 10, nine is really the debate. Um, the judge who gave Jessica two rounds shouldn't be judging at all. So let me just get to the end here, Mark, um, Rose versus Whaley. Is that what's next? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Rose was the champion. The last fight she had was against Jessica. Um, that's who Wang beat. I mean, I think the math just makes sense. I think ranking wise, it makes sense. Um, I sorry, Bob, I don't want to just roll over Andrade's performance though, because oh, no, she looked great. Wait, sorry, yeah, it's not, it's not just that she looked great, which she did. She drastically changed how she fights. For this fight and because of what happened in that Wang Lee fight, she has been criticized for a while that she does not move her head. And this fight was all fucking head movement. She looked like fucking Ippo in there doing the peekaboo style, going back and forth and getting in the pocket and dodging multiple punches. And ultimately in the third round, making a big adjustment to the problem she was having in the first round was one, she couldn't get the distance. Um, you know, she was bobbing and weaving, but she couldn't get the distance to land shots. And a lot of her strategy was to weave and make Rose miss shots and then counter. And uh, Rose was just too fast for that. You know, by the time that Jessica was attempting to counter, Rose was out of there. The adjustment she made in the third round watching this a, a second time is that Jessica started countering mid-exchange. So instead of uh, slipping and throwing back, she just throws the counters. And that's where she started landing those uppercuts was that she'd eat a jab to land that uppercut. And like you said, I don't know if the third round would necessarily be a 10-8 you would give it to that because the damage on Rose's face was extreme. Her nose was fucked up. Her eye was busted. I mean, that's the kind of just looking at damage. Yeah, that's 10-8. But Rose was was game in that last round, even though she, she was getting cracked hard. Um, but it was for my money. I was super impressed with the adjustments Jessica made still in a losing effort, which, you know, was unfortunate. Um, but I think it just speaks to the volumes of just how great Rose is on the stand up. But yeah, I was just really impressed. You know, you, 
you don't see fighters lose fights and make major adjustments to their game. So I just, you know, sorry. Next yeah, no, 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 dude, that's fair, man. I was... needs to be, you know, highlighted. Well, uh, what you, I wanted to go with... A little, I'm sorry to interrupt, Bobby, but are you guys a little surprised that considering how Jessica won in her first fight against Rose, that you really didn't see her try to do that much clinching? I don't think she had a say in the matter, honestly. I think Rose was on her on her bike a fair amount. What I wanted to go with you with is... Um, did you what? Are, what are your thoughts on Jessica versus Joanna too? That's what I was thinking in the next matchup for her. What do you think? Now that we you know have a little bit more faith in Jessica's. Are you talking you know, about Mark? Yeah, you. The first oh. time, yeah, because the first time they fought, Mark's criticism. Mark mentioning the criticism of her not moving her head. Joanna just kind of moved around and punched her in the face. Um, what do you think about now? Them going out again this time. I think it's a very intriguing matchup. I. I think when you see that a fighter has clearly evolved and improved their skill set from the time that a first fight took place, yeah, it's always interesting to see what, what would happen in, in the rematch. Very similar to when Cejudo fought uh, Mighty Mouse, that you know he got smoked in the first fight, but then by the second fight, he had had a lot of fights in between and had really become a complete mixed martial artist, and you saw the difference then. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see. I mean, Jessica is always a... a bulldog of a, of a woman and you know she she's added some really good uh really good moves to, to her repertoire now so it'd be great to see uh steph real quick uh, amanda rebus um wasn't the longest fight out there god bless her for that given how long the other fights were but um what we saw her do put away uh, Paige van zandt in about half a round um what do you think for her next we try to go near the top of the rankings or try to keep her fighting somebody you know five to ten um, it's tough, right? Because isn't she gonna fight in a different weight class going forward, or am is I she, mistaken? Is she going to move weight classes? Well, really? Um, so she just find this weight cat weight class to just smoke Paige uh, on her way out of the UFC. I'll be honest, I, I would it, not move out of this weight class. There's no contenders. <laughs> um, no, that's is is, is I, I kept reading that she considers herself a natural straw weight. Um, but. You know, uh, it's tough to say. She did what she was supposed to, right? When you are that big of a favorite, we expect you to win impressively, and she absolutely did. Um, what is this now? She's uh, I, oh, <laughs> this was my favorite. Uh, Mark was talking about the truck fucking up all night. This was my favorite one. Um, after this fight, uh, Amanda Rebus was a hundred and one. After oh, yeah, her record was well, one hundred wins, one loss. I was like, oh, that's quite a record there. <laughs> so, who is she, um, she Hickson? <laughs> but. Uh, I, I see because the the names I kept I saw from uh, people who were talking about what's next for her. It, people were like matching up for her with like Tisha Torres, so um, that would make it seem. Or uh, another good one would say uh, the winner of Waterson versus Angela Hill, um, and that's a good name value recognition for her in that fight. I mean, yeah, it, it really comes to if she stays here, um, but if she can flex between the two weight classes, that gives her a lot of options. She's a hell of a prospect in any of the women's divisions right now. She's as big of a prospect as we have of any female fighters right now. So I'll be interested to watch her like regardless of where she is, but those are the names that I've heard uh, thrown out, but it, it, it seems that she would move down in weight. Um, and then real quickly, Paige Van Zant will not be back in the UFC. You can go in and write that down. Um, really nice to read that when she tried to ask for more money, Dana White's like, I can't pay you more than the champion of this, uh, of this weight class, and 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 Paige is like, well, why am I getting compared to the other female fighters? Like, why don't why aren't we just 
just compare me to your fighters, period. And it was really nice of Dana White to say, oh, she can't ask for more money and then get smoked like that in the first round, which then complained that she got injured too often. Hell of a guy we got there running the show. It's great that we don't have someone like that running the country. Oh, wait, we do. Um, anything from the undercard that anybody even fucking remembers? <laughs> well, you guys constantly talked about Nutshot Palooza. Nutshot Palooza. Stefan, Nutshot Disqualification Palooza. Well, that's not what I wanted to talk about from the undercard. Um, But yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, it's a meme that uh, Mark Goddard was after like the third Nutshot was just, he pulled uh, the guy aside. He's like, what are you doing? Like, he's like, this is intentional. (laughs) Oh, Mike, you you missed this out. Uh, Leonardo Santos versus something with a B. Like, yeah, the guy with the guy with the phone or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically the guy was getting smoked in the first two rounds. Santos was gassed in the third. So uh Baldy decided to unleash hell with like kick to the groin, knee to the groin, in the clinch against the fence, a straight like punch to the groin. And yeah. he, the, the cherry on top was then with a downed opponent, a blatant, blatant knee to the head. Um punches punches from hell. That's very apt considering all the action was down under. Dude. Uh, it's essentially, it's the first time I've seen a ref take two points in the UFC. Um, that's how egregious the fouls were. So Wait, two, um, two points in one round? Yeah, it was yeah. minus... Isn't, uh, that, after, isn't that just a DQ? No, no, he took, he, took, he, took two, he took two points at once. He just said, I'm taking two points. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> minus two points. It really could have been just a DQ at that point. Because he, he was basically saying, look, I'm taking points if you even like come remotely close to the, close to the groin again. And then he went for the illegal knee. So he's like, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to mix it up. Where's my eye poke? You know, these are different fouls, right? Um, I, I don't know. My, it, it, was my, it, it, was my, it was my favorite DQ. It was favorite, my favorite cheating fight <laughs> since that time Bellator had a heavyweight title fight where one guy just kind of axe kicked the other guy in the dick while he was on his back. That was a, that was a good one too. You can't forget when Josh Koscheck made a whole production about getting poked in the eye, and he was holding the wrong eye. I mean, there's also the great uh, where, where everything turned for Czech Congo. When Czech Congo went from you know ass kicking machine to the time he fought Mustafa Al Turk, Mustafa Al Turk kicked him in the pills. Czech Congo <laughs> came back, kicked him in the pills, and then beat his ass for three minutes afterwards. God, just some great cheating. Mark, I think Mike. Mike seems to be enjoying this. Mark, Mike should really go and Google uh, your guy, Dirty Bob. Right? I mean, what are we doing? Oh, Dirty Bob was the best. <laughs> Dirty Bob he, was he got the disqualified best because he broke like eight rules with one strike. It was like you kicked him in the back of that. You kicked him after the bell rung, which you couldn't kick him on the ground. You hit him in the back of the head with an illegal axe kick. It was like those eight things. And uh, Boss Rutens thing is like, well, this is what Bob always does. He hits you illegally, and then he acts like he doesn't know what he did wrong. And this is just this dude's mo. And I love that guy. Yeah, Mike, if we had actually been able to go to Amsterdam, we would have went looking for the gym um, or at least the bar like me, I did with Mark. No, you, you don't. don't let me give you a, okay. a travel tip. Don't go I'm going to need a bit more to Google this guy than Dirty Bob because you got, very Bob unfortunate, you got a very unfortunate uh, first result for Urban Dictionary. I wouldn't oh, look well, that, it up that makes unless sense. you want to look it up. because His last name's Bob Schreiber, and his wife was also a mixed martial artist. And Boss Rutten says, I think the only ground training he does with his, is with his wife in the bedroom. So <laughs> That's a great, you know, if you want some laughs, go watch Bob Schreiber uh, versus uh, Daijiro Matsui, which I also love Matsui because he's just like the best punching bag. And this is literally like the only fight besides him be- beating Pele that like he ever won a fight in his whole career. And it's because Dirty Bob like broke so many fucking rules. It's great. 
Yeah. Just you know what? If you're still paying for Fight Pass, just watch Pride. All right. Pride You'll Seven. Be, it's not Pride a great Seven, event, but Bob Schreiber is there doing all kinds of dirty shit. Yeah. Exactly. Um, um, I know we've gone long in this card, but can I actually talk about who I want to talk about? Because I think yeah, he's worth nuts, talking about. Uh, and that was the that was the headliner of the undercard. Um, it's exciting because we have a 27 year old light heavyweight prospect. Um, we had the debut, I believe it was, of Jiri Prochaska. Prochaska. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do the that Eastern European name, but um, I liked his story. They sold me on him. Uh, they said, you know, two years ago he was offered uh, a contract with the UFC. Dude said he wasn't ready, so he racked up 23 knockouts outside of the UFC. I don't know. I don't care who he's fighting. That's that's exciting to know. And um, he absolutely slept Vulcan. Well, uh, it's, be, it's, he, he's, he's not. He's not unknown. He was he was fucking where he was tearing it up was Ryzen. He beat King Mo. He beat he beat yeah. all the guys that kind of drowned out of the major like CB. Wait, wait, is this, is this one is this one of these guys that Mike saw fight live that no longer he remember no longer remembers him? Uh, is that possible? Could be. I mean, he was in Ryzen for a good long time. But yeah, I mean, before before this, like he kind of gets he kind of built it. That's why I kind of I saw his name and I was like, this guy looks familiar. And it's because he was tearing it up in Ryzen. But but yeah, big win for him against someone that we all kind of knew. So. Yeah, Vulcan, he, he basically just steals Vulcan's soul here because this is kind of what we knew Vulcan as, this uh, 20-something-year-old guy who was knocking people out fast. But um, he kind of got exposed as he kind of climbed the ranks of light heavyweight. We saw he has gas tank issues, grappling issues. Um, and our buddy Max, who was watching, he pointed that out about Jiri, is he kind of fights a little bit like a madman. He fought like a guy who clearly thought he had no takedown threat from his opponent. So we'll see what happens as he moves up, but fresh blood in this division uh, one with stopping power. It's worth keeping an eye on. Um. All right. Um. UFC 251 in the books. Sold them shitload of pay per views. Um. This next pay per view is in about. I think it's about a, about a month. I think it's around August 15th. Um. Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic, fighting in Vegas. Um. Not as deep of a card, but it's the heavyweight title. We'll see what the UFC gets out of it. Trilogy fight. Both two fights so far from the two guys were good. So. Um, the only news from this week that um, I just want to bring up is that Tiago Santos is healthy again, um, and he's going to fight uh, Glover Teixeira on September 12th. Um, so nice to see him back because he was the original. Hey, did that guy beat John Jones almost? Guy. Uh, well, the original is Alex Gustafson. He's the second one. Um, him fighting Glover makes it sound like they're keeping Dominic Reyes and... Um, Jan Blahovich or Blachowicz or whatever the hell you say his name, um, keeping them, um, unbooked in the event that they, you know, continue to not pay John Jones and have to book an interim title fight. So we'll see how that goes. Um, there are two cards this week. Um, one's on, I think, Wednesday. Um, because I think the time, the date in Abu Dhabi is on Thursday. Correct. And then the other one is on Saturday. Um, the we're gonna pick a couple fights from each card. Um, we'll talk about anything worthwhile coming out of either one. Though, quite frankly, it's really the fights that we're picking. UFC 251 um, is now followed by UFC Fight Night um, 172. Um, it's gonna air on ESPN. Calvin Cater or Qatar taking on Dan Ige in the main event. Um, Steph, do you got a line on this one? Sorry, I do, um, and I thought we settled on it's Ige, but uh, both, sure. of these, both of these guys have toss-up last names. Um, 
Calvin is coming at a pretty sizable favorite at minus 290 to Dan's plus 245. Um, Dan's coming off of quite a few wins in a row here. Uh, six straight wins. Um, last one was a split over Edson Barboza, where I didn't think he won that. He won that, but um, good fight nonetheless. Um, Calvin Qatar or Cater um, bounced back from losing to Zabit um, by knocking out Jeremy Stevens in about two and a half rounds. Um, it was a real dangerous fight because Stevens showed up five pounds overweight, and some of us have PTSD from the time Stevens shows up five pounds overweight. Um, so yeah, big win for him there. Um, Calvin's the favorite, Steph. Um, I don't think that's an accident. I think that he is the better fighter here. Uh, Dan is really good. Um, still young, 28 years old, but I think people just see more, um, so you've seen more out of Calvin so far against more established people. So I'm going to go with Calvin on this one, but I think it's going to be awesome. I think we're going to see a five round, just stand up fight here. Entertaining um, for everybody. Yeah. I think you kind of tossing it to me, but I'll, I'll join you. Um, I'm taking Calvin as well. Um, you know, oddly enough, uh, Barboza, Dan's win over Barbosa is the best name of either of these guys, in my opinion. But that said, um, it's questionable if he even won. And to your point, I think, you know, I like Dan, but kind of he's just your classic tough guy. You know, he's decently well-rounded. He's a tough out, but he doesn't seem to definitively win or finish guys either. Um, Calvin, when he wins, it's definitive. Um, he has just more stopping power. Um, overall, better body of work, I'd say. Um, I expect Dan to be tough, but he just, he wasn't that impressive to me in that Barboza fight. So uh, I'm a little, the shine is off him a little bit for me. It's high, kind of hard when a guy comes off of a win where you're like, I don't think you won that. You looked fine, but like, I don't know. Um, Mike, what do you think? You knock out a guy who's basically in the next weight division. You have my vote for the, your next fight. So I'm going with Qatar. Cater. Mark, clean. I like how at this point I've said his name twice every time, two different ways, and you guys are just on board with both. You just got to yeah. cover your bases. <laughs> Uh, Mark, it's a sweet thing. I'm going with uh, Calvin as well. Um, and somebody help me out. What did I say was the other fight we're picking here? Because I honestly Jimmy Rivera and Cody Stamen. Cody Stamen. I say both ways too, man. Um, Jimmy Rivera. Um, we all had pretty high expectations. Uh, for Jimmy Rivera, he came in with he had a massive win streak at one point, I believe. Um. Suffered some tough ones now. Jimmy Rivera now is coming into this one, having lost three of four. But quite frankly, the three guys he lost to, Marlon Moraes, Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yan, that is the top three of the weight class, I think. Um, Cody Staman, on the other hand, um, last time we saw him in the octagon was him getting a win over Brian Kelleher. Um Overall, 19-2. and two. Um, His only loss in the UFC so far is to Aljamain Sterling, is when Aljamain Sterling tried to take his leg home with him with that Subalov stretch. Betting odds for this one, Steph? I'm imagining Jimmy's the favorite, but tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, you are accurate. Um, decently close line, though. It is minus 135 to Jimmy and Cody at plus 115, so almost a toss-up. Um, I'm going to go Jimmy. I still think there's stuff there. I mean, having losing to the three best guys in the weight class, I mean, it's not great. Doesn't mean you're going to be champion, but I think he's, you know, still top seven, top six in this weight class. What do you think, Steph? Um, I'll go ahead and uh, honor the coin toss nature of this fight. I'll take Cody. Um, I don't feel great about it. I don't have any great analysis. Cody's got a immaculate record, but most of those names are not very impressive. 
Um, like you said, Jimmy lost to really good dudes, but something the something about how he looked to me, he looked like, are you done? The chin looks iffy. Like, yeah, it just one of those things that looked like. Did we already see the best of you when he was losing? Like when he lost, it was they weren't nice losses. So um, just for that reason, I'm, I'm gonna take Cody. But again, it'll it'll be a bit of a shocker to me if Cody pulls it off, just because that record. Again, it, it looks like fool's gold. There's not a lot of... I I, I know the odds are close, but I almost think they might have booked this like, let's get a fight where Jimmy can win this. Uh, the, the thing I like about Cody is he's got my favorite result on his record, and that is a majority draw. And uh, for his efforts, he gets my pick. Uh, Mark, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I'm going to go with Jimmy. Um, it, it is just a really close fight, so I don't have any like particular reason why I'm going with him. I think you made a good point about, you know, his record has, he's fought maybe more of the higher caliber competition. And, you know, while he has some, some tough losses there, um, there's some decent wins too. So I'm gonna go with Jimmy, but I do think it's super close. Mike, what do you got? Gentleman's sweep for Rivera. All right. Um, also on this card, before we move on, um, Tim Elliott and Ryan Benoit is going to be a good fight. Um, it's actually the co-main event. And I don't know when's the last time we saw um, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Okay, yeah, it's been almost two years. Um, he, uh, in the middle there, he got charged with sexual assault. But he was found not guilty. Um, and that's just what I got for you. Found not guilty. Um, he was, he's 34 years old. Last time he fought, he fucking obliterated Nico Price. And uh, he just, he's got 10 wins with 10 knockouts, okay? So, guys have fought in two years, fighting a guy without a Wikipedia page. Um, sounds to me, Steph, like they're lining up that guy for the slaughter, personally. So, see how that goes. And then um, Molly McCann, her return to the UFC also, fighting a flyweight. Um, we'll see if she makes weight. To your point, Bob, uh, Abdul Razak, he's the biggest favorite on this card. So uh, he's terrifying. Like I remember his fight with Nico Price, and I don't know who this guy is. But we have a guy on the undercard named Jack Shore, who is a minus seven hundred favorite over Aaron Phillips. I don't know who that is, but that betting line says I should keep an eye out. Yeah, um, I believe this card was gonna have the Frankie Edgar fight with uh, Pedro Munoz, Um, and that's got moved. Marcus, I think did they say move it to the pay per view, or what did they move it to? Um, Steph said he heard that it got moved. Yeah, out. Steph, so it got moved. It got moved it? to the uh on, on the main card of um, is it Stepe Cormier? I, That's not bad. They showed it. They show, what they previewed it on this fight pass. I, mean, I think we're all chatting, but one of the future cards that they actually ran a promo for. You saw it as like the third or fourth fight on the main. You're card. correct. You're correct. Um, all right. Um, then the UFC there on Saturday for. UFC Fight Night, Figueroa versus Benavidez 2. Um, well, first time these guys fought, uh, Davis and Figueroa showed up overweight um, by two and a half pounds, which doesn't sound like a lot, but you're fighting at 125. So that's, it is a lot. Um, then he knocked out Benavidez about seven minutes. Um, this time, Davis and Figueroa tested positive for COVID. But then he tested negative, so they're going to test him some more. We're assuming this fight's happening, long story short. Betting odds for this one, Stefan? Um, closer than I expected. Uh, minus 200 to Figueroa, 
to uh, Joby at plus 170. Um, who do you got? Um, hands down, Figueroa, and maybe he'll miss weight. Maybe he'll test positive for COVID. There's going to be some <laughs> shenanigans with this man. Um, he's going to miss weight and test positive for COVID, but after the fight. Uh, he's he's going to somehow contract it in between knocking out uh, Benavides again. Um, Joby he'll also not he'll give the belt. He'll give Benavides COVID too. That's going to be what it is. It's like he's going to beat him and give him COVID. <laughs> That's depressing. Look, I think I've picked, I was thinking about this. I think I've been, picked Benavides in basically every title fight he's had since he got to the UFC. I definitely picked him in the first Mighty Mouse fight. I might have picked him in the second one. I picked him the first time these guys were going to fight. He's, I, he's just always the bridesmaid, Bob. And last one was literally like the guy showed up two and a half pounds over. I'm like, yeah, but he also got knocked unconscious. Look, I'm uh, Joseph. I love you. And you're on the intro of this podcast. And maybe quite frankly, me picking against you will help. So I'm going to take Davidson Figueroa here <laughs> to win the fight. If you ask me if he's going to make weight, I might say no. Cause I don't think adding five flights and a bunch of, dr- a bunch of tests is going to help make that easier. Um, Mike. I would really like Joseph Benavidez to win, uh, but I don't think it's going to happen. We've already seen what happened in the first fight, and that fight was not too long ago. Mike, you are the king of the man making people making adjustments. This guy didn't make any adjustments? It's been like four months, man. Yeah, it really has. Um, God, I, just to be clear, I really want Benavidez to win. I think most of us do. Let's, put, uh, Mark- let's, put it like, let's just put it like this. You can't make any adjustments if you still have the same baking soda in your fridge from the last fight. I'm gonna ask. I was gonna ask you to explain that, but I think we're good. It, you don't you keep, keep baking, baking soda, soda in your fridge, man. Keep shit. Fried. It has. It, it hasn't been a long time. Uh, it's a sweep. I'm going with Figueroa too. Go Benavidez, though. To be clear, I want to be very wrong here. Please let him win. I, I, I personally don't care if he wins or loses. I Mark's the one who got him to give us the quote too. Is the part that makes me sad. No, <laughs> doesn't mean I care. He's a, he's a dude. Hey, do you want to say something? He's also oh, retweeted articles for our website before. <laughs> That's great. I still think he's gonna lose. <laughs> I, I think care. he's gonna lose too, but I hope he wins. Um, I mean, our favorite member of the website ever. He he got historically his ass whooped. So, you know, uh, us liking him and, and success are not uh, things that go hand in hand. Brian Caraway? Oh, Brian Caraway. <laughs> Among, uh, I guess Morris Griffin, right? He probably had the worst ass whooping on the people on our uh, intro, right? No, we're saying our people we've who we liked the most is Marcus Brimage. Do we not like? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He got a bad. <laughs> he got a bad a few times. Um, we're also picking Jack Hermanson versus Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, this is a sick fight. It's a real close one. This is, this is, this is a stressful one too. Um, I honestly, whoo, this is, what's the betting odds? Um, it's a double favorite because you got minus 105 to Jack and minus 115 to Kelvin. What was, what was Kelvin's last fight? I was, I was just looking that up. I'm like, what did Kelvin, what's Kelvin been up to? I feel like he hasn't fought Uh, in a while. I feel there's always something hanging around Kelvin. He tests positive for weed. He missed weight. What's going on? Kelvin lost a split decision to Darren Till. Um, I don't remember thinking Darren Till won that. Just putting that out there. <laughs> Did not think Darren Till won that. Um, before that, he lost to Izzy in one of the greatest fights any of us have ever seen. Jack Hermanson um, came back from uh, defeating uh, Jacare Souza to get knocked the fuck out by Jared Cannonier. 
Um, and that's a fight where we all had to kind of course correct on our stance on Jared Cannonier. That yeah. guy just felt like a journeyman in weight. Yeah. But you look at his record now, he's knocking out everyone since he uh, dropped to middleweight. I, I've got Kelvin. I could tell I don't feel good about it, but I got Kelvin. Mark? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I, I want to think Kelvin has m more tools to get it done here, but, but Jack has shown that he's a really tough out. So I, I, I agree with the line being super close. I'm pulling for Kelvin, but it, it is just that really close. Um, He's also like way bigger than him, like way bigger than him. Uh, Steph, what do you got? Um, uh, you know, I, I think it's worth having it when the lines is close. Um, it's always weird when we go on one side, but I'll take Jack. Um, travel's going to be easier for him. Um, the X factor for me with Kelvin is he's kind of proven time and time again he's not the most disciplined dude. Um, and in the times of COVID, being disciplined is tough. You know, we all have to kind of scrape by with what we can. We were all doing the best we got out here. I don't know how Kelvin's been doing this. He, you know, he might be in the shape of his life, but for a guy who's had a lot of outside X factors like that, um, I may as well go for the guy who's got an easier flight. Did, is, is Kelvin Gasolin being born in San Jose? Is that information we knew? Because I just saw that and I'm like, I didn't know that. That's that's nice. Um, Mike. The day that Kelvin Gaslam truly becomes disciplined in everything he does with mixed martial arts, i.e. his uh, eating habits and, and all of that. He'll be a welterweight. He... <laughs> I was going to say, one, that's when he becomes truly scary and also can actually make 170 <laughs> consistently. Um, but I still think he's one of the top people at, at 185. I, I still have the uh, the shine of the, uh, of the Adesanya fight on him. Um and that till fight was 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 pretty close as well. I thought he won that as well. So I'm gonna go with Gaston in this fight. Yeah, you remember when he missed weight by like ten pounds? It was so bad. And they wanted to give it to Woodley, and Woodley's like, "I'll just give it back to him." Like <laughs> 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 Woodley's a nice guy, man. <laughs> man, I, I would have taken it in like where I watched one of the countdowns, and it was like fight weekend was literally showing him at his mom's house eating a giant wet burrito, and I'm like, "What the <laughs> fuck, Kelvin?" Like, <laughs> It's fight week, man. You're weighing in in three days. That, that, that is right up there with Khabib just eating the tiramisu. And, We're like, and, what are we doing, man? And Gasolin's defense. Burritos are awesome. Everyone loves Especially mom. when they're yeah. wet. But it's like, you know, dude, yeah, we don't get man. the extra sauce on it, all right? Yo, man, extra wet black bean burrito. Should have changed your life. Guys, um, you know what? I was going to say, this has been a rough week for Mike. Um Goya. So, I was going to say, I live with Mike, and I don't want to say Goya is responsible for 30% of his grocery bill, but at least 15% minimum, right? Yes, man, as a man that can't make uh, abichuela from the dried beans, I got to get the pre-made canned ones. Dude, so, I got at least two cans of Goya black beans in here. <laughs> like, and I'll, I'll tell you, it was uh, it was real quiet for a lot of Latinos across the United States when uh, the president of Goya went up there and gave uh, Trump the wild dick flute solo. So uh, <laughs> I gotta find okay. I gotta find different seasoning brands. I gotta find different bean brands. Like, so, oh, like by the way, my favorite part my of DNA. my favorite part about that is like people are saying they're gonna boycott. Uh, Goya trying to suppress my speech. I'm like, no, nah, man, everybody's cool with your speech. Now everybody's exercising theirs by telling you to eat a dick. <laughs> That's what's happening there. Um, also on this card, if you're, um, looking to see some decent fights here, we got, uh, Mark Dia Casey, 
um, making his return. Joseph Duffy making his return. I feel we haven't seen Joe Duffy fighting forever. I, I thought he went to Bellator, if I'm being honest. Uh, um, biggest favorite on this card is uh, the aforementioned Joe Duffy. Yeah, I, am I, I really thought he left because um, I feel we haven't seen him fight in a very long time. Um, uh, we Nope, he just hasn't fought in a very long time. Okay, over a year. Um, Arian Lipsky's on this card. Alexandre Pontoja is on this card. There's a lot of guys who have Wikipedia pages fighting guys who don't have Wikipedia pages. I'm not sure what kind of analysis I'm giving you by saying that, but it's just the reality of the situation. Maybe a bunch of one-sided fights. Maybe a bunch of known people getting beat up by prospects. We never know. Um, let's do uh, let's do stuff we like. Um, Mark, let's lead off with you this week. I feel I'm always making you bring up the caboose on this. Let's lead off with you. No, it's good. I, I, this week's short. Um, big game coming out is the last PS4 big exclusive uh, from Sony, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, so that one's looking really cool. Open world samurai ninja game. Uh, outside of that, Switch also has Paper Mario, something about origami or something. I'm not a big Paper Mario fan, but if you are, um, I heard the one's supposed to be pretty good. That's Those are both coming out on Friday. Other than that, um, Ubisoft showed some stuff over the weekend with Watch Dog Legion and Assassin's Creed, and Xena's fucking upset about something. Um, and they announced the new Far Cry 6 game, but that's pretty much it. So, yeah, that's all I got. Xena's a dog for some people who Mark doesn't refer to the dog a lot. Just so everybody knows, that's a dog making that noise. Well, I, I hope that would be somewhat relevant or obvious. <laughs> I don't know. People may have assumed you were like talking about your wife. It's like, yo, Mark is real disrespectful. Yeah, uh, um, Mark, Mark's roommate, Lucy Lawless, is just chilling. Uh, a little upset. Uh, small fun fact, considering you brought up Paper Mario, uh, there was supposed to be a Mario RPG 2. But when Squaresoft decided to start making games for uh, the PlayStation, uh, they decide Nintendo decided to make Paper Mario instead. So that is the spiritual successor successor to uh, Mario RPG two. Um, uh, mine this week, mine's kind of all over the place. So I'm just gonna uh go quick through it. Um, I liked uh we saw trailers for season two of The Boys. Season two of the Umbrella Academy. Um, excited for both. Um, I think I, I mean, this is a, it's very slightly. I might have liked Umbrella Academy slightly more, not like it matters. It's not like they're competing against each other. One of them starts at the end of this month, which is Umbrella Academy. And I, Steph, I believe, boys, they said September, right? Um, I want to say it's the start of September. Yeah. Uh, it could have been, uh, but it's coming right up. <laughs> Mark and I had a nice discussion where we realized we didn't remember a lot about both shows. Um, so I had to go find like a recap video. For each, and I was like, "Oh yeah, uh, both these shows. I'm excited." The yeah, boys I, I remembered more of Umbrella Chronicle. I was like, "They both." See, the I, re- <laughs> I remembered Umbrella Academy more, yeah, than the boys. But Remember still, the like, big dance scene that was cool. But other than that, I was like, a lot of the details were lost. So, but it, <laughs> it, both fantastic shows. A dancing set. Uh, I think we're alone now. Um, yeah, yeah. Boys, this is right. only eight episodes. I actually ran that in the background over the weekend as a rewatch. See, I think that's why I don't remember how it ended, because I feel like I got to the end of the season, and I was like, wait, wait, that was last episode? I might have missed what happened there. So uh, I was reminded watching it again, because everyone on the internet who had seen it was quoting it for a minute, but the uh, fucking diabolical, um, the catchphrase of our uh, favorite character actor, um, I actually don't even know his real name, and he's just been a million different characters. Was that uh, Carl Urban? Carl Urban, there's our man. The guy that did a discount... Uh, 
version of the guy who's discount Robert Downey Jr. Uh, right? Butler, right? Oh no, Gerard Butler. He's also discount Gerard Butler. <laughs> oh boy, he's, he checks out. <laughs> He's he a checks a lot of discounted fun. man on the Hollywood scene right now. <laughs> He's got a lot. This is what you do. This is like when Masvidal all asked for too much money. He's the Gilbert Burns. This is what this is. Um, oh, that fuck. I had something I did watch, and now I lost my train of thought. God. Oh, yeah. This is going to be random because this show has been around forever, but I've talked about it before, but it's probably been about four, three years since I have. Gosh, you watch Drunk History. I watched uh, the Hamilton Drunk History, which I'd seen before, but it's really good. It's just drunk Lin-Manuel Miranda telling parts of Hamilton that wasn't necessarily in the play. Some parts that were. But it's great. It's a really good episode. Some surprise guests in there. Um, Aubrey Plaza playing Aaron Burr. Um, I forgot the actress's name, but she plays Maybe Funky. Shauna Maricat. Some shit like that. No. No. That's not her name. Stefan, you watch Arrested Development. What's the name of Maybe? What's the name of the actress who plays Maybe? I don't know, Bobby. Her, she plays. She plays Hamilton. All right, it was really good. Um, and if you have Hulu, Drunk History is all on there. And apparently they're like on season seven. And I f- definitely missed a season in there. Okay. So yeah, Alia Shawcat. Okay, you weren't that close. You had I like know, I know it was something. Was something weird. <laughs> he said Shaw something at one point, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Those those are sh- I, I knew those are sh- sound in there. Um, Steph, what do you got this week? Um, not a lot. Um, you know, just waiting on Ghost of Tsushima to come out at the end of the week. So I'll keep it short with, um, there were two news stories that I enjoyed for various reasons. Um, and they both have to do with attacking, uh, the Republican, uh, government officials. Um, I'm the K-pop guy and, uh, some random fucking dude from Florida or something decided to talk all out of pocket about K-pop. Uh, at various points, he addressed North Korea, South Korea, and China, which led people to, like, do you even know who you're targeting? Uh, World-famous boy band BTS, that stands for, in his eyes, big-time socialist. Um, and K-pop are propaganda agents. And uh, so all his K-pop fans are like, we're agents? Uh, where Where's our checks? Where are our Soros checks? Where, I'm, I'm waiting for that in the mail. Um, so they were dumb, and uh, the other one is... Um, NBA reporter extraordinaire Adrian Wojnarowski, colloquially hashtag, known hashtag free Woj. As, We're all bored here. Woj. Um, <laughs> Mark, this is off your radar, but uh, another senator uh, he basically put out a post which was trolling as hell. He said, "NBA, why don't you have uh, support movements like Back of the Blue, support our troops, and free Hong Kong?" To which professional, again, top of his field, top of his profession. Straight up just emailed the senator with a two-word, fuck you. <laughs> okay, I saw a headline that said that NBA reporter, like, trolled a uh, senator or something. I thought it was more... That wasn't even trolling. He just I know, said, I, fuck I you. Or, like, kind of clever than just saying him to fuck off, but I like that more. Look, I respect it, man. We all have that moment, right? A lot of us got to be professional. A lot of us got to be upstanding citizens and adults. But sometimes you just see some real dumb shit. And all you can say to that person is fuck you. So yeah, free Woj. You said you did nothing. Woj did nothing wrong. That's that's how I feel. Um, Mike, as we end with you here, I just want to give you an update on the Ali Abdelaziz story. It appears all of Gilbert Burns' uh, tweets complaining about Ariel, the internet detectives have decided there are far, far too many grammatical and spare spelling errors in these for Gilbert Burns to have written them because Gilbert Burns' English is far too good when you hear him speak. So definitely Ali Abdelaziz went on his fighter's Twitter account 
and started shit-talking an MMA reporter. But go ahead. What do you got this week, Mike? <laughs> okay, I would have thought that Ali Abdelaziz would have been the one with the great English. No, no, his uh, English is terrible. Speech. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. American dream, baby. Uh, yeah. Thing for me this week, I'm pretty sure Steph may have seen an episode of this already. A uh, new anime that just came out two weeks ago, uh, God of High School. Um, but he's nodding, so I'm assuming that means yes. Uh, it's pretty paint by numbers in terms of what the plot is. High school students who are prodigious, you know, martial artists who take part in a tournament. Every anime that has kicks and punches has a tournament in it. So this one is oh, yeah. no I different. Far, Mike, I just heard about it and that title. That title was interesting to me. That I, I wanted to see what the premise was. Uh, what the premise is? Oh, and they get right to the tournament. It's like first episode, boom, you're in the tournament. Uh, so for those of you that don't know what it is, it's um a tournament for who is the strongest high schooler that's it i mean my school had this i like in the same sentence mike said this anime i'm watching god of high school is paint by numbers i'm like what the fuck does that mean what does god of high school paint by numbers mean i literally thought it was a god that went to high school and he's like hello my children i'll teach uh, you the way Everything that I've said about this show makes it sound like it's dog shit. But what really makes it great is the animation and the, the fight scenes for it are, are top notch. So two episodes in, I'm hooked. Don't need much of a plot, but it's it's great visually to, to look at. There's another good one, which is of a very similar name. And this was actually what I was seeking out when I stumbled upon God of High School. I believe it's called Tower of God. Um and it's a again, it's, it's another paint by numbers in the sense that uh, there's this tower, and if you can get to the top of it, any wish you desire will be granted. Um, any and- tournament you want to enter to get through this tower, you can oh, do. Actually, I do have one more thing. I'm not gonna call it a stuff I like yet. You guys will have to come back for that next week. I've watched one episode of the show. It just premiered on Netflix called Japan Sinks. It's an anime where Japan gets hit with a massive earthquake. And after the earthquake, it starts to sink. So I'm interested to see how uh, how the series progresses. And I'll let you know if it's dog shit or not next week. Um, apologies if this was mentioned right at the beginning. I had my headphones off for a moment. But did anybody mention the show Palm Springs, the movie Palm Springs? Nope. I heard about Mark, it. You know what this is? Yeah. Um, I saw a trailer for this. I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. Um, I'm going to try to do that. And I know Mark has Hulu, too, so maybe he will, too. Um, it's basically Groundhog Day with Andy Samberg and Jenny Slate. Yep. Not Jenny Slate. Sorry. Not. Um, I forgot the actress's name, but she plays the mother in How Many Your Mother? Yes. She had that yeah. one show. that was, She had her own show that was popular, but I never saw. What was it called? Uh, Raising something? I don't know. She also yeah, played but, uh, um, Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, cuckold wife in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, she was the first wife. Um, but yeah, I saw the trailer. It looks really good. And I, you know, we all love Andy Samberg, so I'll probably check that and out. Who doesn't like Groundhog's Day? It's a great premise. If you haven't seen Groundhog's Day, that is what you should do this week. It's official recommendation. Watch Groundhog's Day. It's great. Um all right, boys and girls, um, thank you all for um, watching. I'm just watching. So thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Be back next week. We're going to see if we got a, I mean, you th- I mean, last time we said this, 
we're gonna see what the cha new champion is a flyweight there might not be one um don't know if there's another card the week after that i'm gonna assume yes i think they're pretty much camped at um as mike put it yes island for um the foreseeable future um next card being headlined by bobby knuckles and darren till holy fuck um jesus christ we're gonna preview that and now i'm very excited oh shogun versus little nog less excited um be back next week um that was dr Lo that was that was dj mark that was lavender gooms that was kid presentable and i was dr law i'm gonna leave you with this currently trending on twitter is the word mustard see y'all next week peace out see ya cheers <laughs> <laughs>